Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 17? Luke chapter 17, we're going to be there in just a few minutes. Tis the season for? Some of you got songs running around in your head. Fa la 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 la. It's amazing that it's a season that we have so much to be thankful for that we can be so ungrateful and negative. You ever met somebody that was ungrateful and they thought that their ungratefulness or their negative attitude was a spiritual gift? I am so glad we don't have anybody with that spiritual gift in this place. I mean, you just, it's the person you don't even want to go out to eat lunch with because the food's never, there's never enough or it's way too much, or it's too hot, or it's too cold, or it's too salty. See, you're probably thinking of a name of a person right now. But be careful, because it's a whole lot easier to point ungratefulness out into, into somebody else and see it in their lives and not be able to see it in our own lives. But today, let's talk about, let's talk about being grateful, because it is a season of being grateful being grateful. Let me give you a couple of words to begin with. The word entitlement. The word entitlement. You owe me or I deserve. And we can say that that's a, that's a first step that a person makes as they move away from the Lord. Entitlement. You owe me or I deserve. And whereas gratitude is that posture of the heart, it's basically always contemplating and and being reminded of the fact of God's mercy and His grace. Entitlement is when we consciously ignore the blessings and we walk around with this you owe me mentality. There was a famous Janet Jackson song. Maybe you remember it. What have you done for me lately? This was what one of the verses said. I never ask for more than what I deserve, and you know it's the truth. Talking about songs going to be rolling around in your head for the next 30 minutes or so. Entitlement. But instead of an attitude of entitlement, we learn in the Scripture that it talks to us an awful lot about being grateful or having a grateful uh, attitude, about being thankful. And we're going to see that today in the story that we're going to read in the in the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. Before we read this story, I want to be able to pray with you. I want you to listen very closely, kids, because there's some things that we're going to do at the end of the service, and you have an opportunity to fill out. Adults, there's also an exercise that we're going to work on at the end of the service as well. And uh, we will complete our time together by celebrating the Lord's Supper um, in our services this morning. But let's pray before we read the scripture today. Father, again, we come to you asking, but it, would it be the Holy Spirit that moves in and out of this place as the, as the scripture itself are read? Are, are read? Um, Father, as we, as we hear and as we listen, may our hearts respond in such a way that, Father, our lives display an attitude of gratitude for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your grace today and your mercy Hear us today as we speak your word. May it bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This is what it reads in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And I read to you from the New Living Translation. The scripture says, and Jesus continued, he's on a journey towards Jerusalem. Where is he headed? Crucifixion. Jesus is on his way towards Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. It says in verse 12, as he entered a village there, 10 men, how many? 10, that's very important. 10 men, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. So you have a period of time when Jesus's popularity had continued to grow. Um, here he is on a road. He's getting ready to enter a village and there are some lepers. How many lepers? There's 10. There's 10 lepers. And where were they standing? They were standing at a distance. In a couple of minutes, we're going to see why they were standing at a distance. But look at what it says the lepers were doing. You got Jesus entering into the village you got the lepers standing at a distance. And in verse 13, it tells us exactly what they were doing. Crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Well, you're reading this and you're probably saying to yourself, I understand exactly what's going on here. But do you really understand the significance of what's being written and what, this, what we're being told in this story? Do you happen to believe and understand the desperation? Do you understand the hopelessness that those lepers were probably experiencing as they were standing outside of, the, of the, the village that Jesus was getting ready to enter? The word leper or leprosy we see numerous times in the scriptures. And in Leviticus chapter 13, we even have specific ways that people who had leprosy were identified. If somebody had a skin rash, if they had a disease, they would be sent to the priest to be up under examination. In the book of Numbers, we find out where there were specific things that would take place if they were identified with having leprosy. It told us that they were banished to live outside the city to protect others from contacting that disease that they had. So you've got these group of people that have been identified as having leprosy or a skin disease. They had been banished from the village or from their cities. They were removed from their families, removed from their friends so that they could have no contact with others except those that were like them. And here they are standing outside. But there wasn't just the thought of being banished, but there was also the stigma that the reason that they had the disease was because they had done something wrong and that God had cursed them. So you've got physical, you've got emotional, and you've also got spiritual brokenness in their lives as well. Now, when a person who had leprosy, they were required by, by law, when someone would, would approach them, they were, they were required by law to, to speak out or to shout out, unclean, unclean, to let others know that we're nearby their condition. Humiliating. I mean, this is not like a guy standing on the side of a corner with a sign that says, I'm hungry, will you feed me? I mean, this is a verbal affirmation. I'm unclean. Don't come near me. Don't come near me. I'm broken. And I'm hurting. Do you understand this humiliation? The sense of brokenness that these that had leprosy may have experienced. And the disease just wasn't noticeable from the outside but there are some recorded accounts that talks about it rotting the flesh away all the way down to the bones and destroying the nerve endings, even so much that at night when they slept, sometimes the varmints would come in and eat their digits, their fingers off, and they would awake in the morning not even knowing that it would take in place because they had no nerves 
because they had rotted off. Tremendous, tremendous amounts of pain and suffering. When I was in uh, Nicaragua a few years ago when we were going down the Rio Coco River, one of the things that Marty was looking for as a doctor, he was looking for what they call um, um, mountain leprosy, leishmaniasis, some of the same exact things. They didn't have the antibiotics to be able to cure it, but that was caused by a gnat. But now you don't see leprosy as much around the world because we have the antibiotics to be able to cure such things. But during that season and during that time, it was very real. In addition to the physical suffering and the rejection <laughs> and the social pressures, um, that those that had leprosy that faced, you can just imagine, um, you can imagine what they were going through. And so we've got these, these lepers that were gathered outside. They're standing outside the village. They see Jesus, the Son of God. They know that he had healed the sick. We know that he had caused the, the blind to be able to see and those that had lame to be able to walk. And even he healed others who had leprosy. And here is this, this moment of hope. And they cried out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy, have mercy on us. No embarrassment on their part. Because you know why? Desperate people do desperate things. Not embarrassed at all. Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy. Because desperate people do desperate things. And look at what it says in verse 14. He, being Jesus, looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed of their leprosy. Law required that they, if they thought that they didn't have leprosy anymore because leprosy would come and go, they would have to go to the priest. And so here they are, they present themselves to the priest for examination. It's interesting to note that Jesus didn't heal them right there, but he told them to do what? To go to where? to go to the priest. And it was on the way to the priest after obedience that they were healed. Their healing followed their obedience. And they went and they were cleansed. Now you would think, because of the desperate situation that they found themselves in, that after healing, that all ten would go back and they would tell Jesus how thankful that they were. But look at what the Scripture says in verse 15. How many? One. It says one, one leper. How many, how many lepers were healed? Ten. But there's only one, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God, and he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him. What did he do? Who did he thank? He thanked Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. Interesting note here that, that Luke uh, records. He says, this man was a Samaritan. Interesting piece of information. If you know anything about that time, you know that the Jews and the Samaritans were always, always at odds with one another. The racial conflicts that took place, they hated one another. As a matter of fact, you've got Judea, you've got Samaria, and then you've got Galilee. When they would travel between Judea and Galilee, the Jews hated them so much they would go around Samaria to get to Galilee. Now, I don't know about you, but I like the shortest distance between two points, a straight line. But there was so much hatred and so much animosity between them, they would go around so they wouldn't have to interact with one another. So they didn't have to 
have contact or interaction. And you, some of you probably go, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe somebody would go way out of their way just so they wouldn't have contact with somebody. But maybe you've done that. Maybe in the grocery store, you've seen somebody. You ever done it? Don't you act pious. <laughs> maybe it's been driving on the road and all of a sudden you see somebody and you whoop, you back up because you don't want to have, you don't want to look at them. Maybe it's at church. You see somebody and you go the opposite direction. So before you judge them, be very careful because it's easy for us to, to have that same attitude. But it says that there were 10 lepers that saw Jesus and they cried out, Jesus, to set them free. He sent them to the priest and on the way they were healed. And you would think that after being healed, all of them would have ran back to tell Jesus how thankful they were. Jesus, thank you for healing me. But it says that only one, only one. And in verse 17, Jesus asked the question. He said, didn't I heal 10? Didn't I, didn't I heal 10? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, for your faith has healed you. Now, there's an awful lot that we could talk about in reference to this story right here. But I just have a question for you. Do you, think that, do you happen to think that gratitude was important to Jesus? Yeah. Gratitude was very important. Was it the fact that Jesus needed to be thanked? No. But Jesus knew that what came out of their mouth was a, a little bit of display of the condition of the heart. Jesus knew that what was going on was really what was coming from the heart. And we have to look at the story and ask ourselves, has there ever been a time in my life where I've received something that I didn't deserve and that I was ungrateful? Think about that for a second. Has there ever been a time in your life where you received a gift that you didn't deserve and you failed to recognize the giver and have an attitude of gratitude? I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts today that I think we can pull out of the scriptures in reference to gratitude and having an attitude of gratitude. So if you want to take your pencil out and write these down, here's the first one. Number one, Acknowledge that everything good comes from, from God. The scripture says in James chapter 1, verse 17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift that coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Everything good that we have comes from the Lord. It's very important that we embrace what God has already done, what he's given us, and what he will do. We spend so much time, though, these days comparing ourselves to other people. Dis discontentment. When's the last time you've just sat down and you've taken an inventory of the blessings that you've received? Let's do that just for a second. Just think about that. What are some of the things that you happen to be thankful for today? When you, if you take an inventory, what are some of the things that you have an opportunity to be thankful for? Just raise your hand. Yes. That's right. Somebody else. Things that you have to be thankful for. Yes. That's right. 
Parents paying the bills so you can live in the house. That's right. Don't you ever forget that. Some other things that you're thankful for. What are you thankful for, Jim? Yes. Roof over your head. What are you thankful for? Yes. That's good. Yes. Who? Hope. That's good. Yes. Okay. All right. Somebody else, what are you thankful for? Yes. Freedom. We take it for granted an awful lot, don't we, Dave? Sitting in these nice pews, being able to worship on a Sunday morning. Yeah, we take that for granted. There's multiple things that we have an opportunity to be grateful for. Gratefulness is the key to contentment. Discontentment flows from an ungrateful heart. Look at the second one. It's God's design that we be grateful in every circumstance. Look at what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, what Paul had to say. Paul said this, he said, be thankful in some things. Right? Be thankful in some things, not all things, just be thankful in some of the things that come your way. That's not what Paul said. Paul said, be thankful in all things, in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Heard the story of a man and his wife who lost their son in the war. On the way to church that Sunday morning, the husband leaned over to the wife and he said, I don't know why I feel this way. He said, but I feel like you and I need to, to demonstrate our thankfulness to God by giving a special love offering at church. And she said, honey, if that's what you feel like we should do, I'm, I'm for that. Um, so they arrive at church. They see the pastor. They said, pastor, can I see you just for a second? I want to tell you that we lost our son in the war. And uh, we feel like, my wife and I feel like we need to give a, an offering of blessing to, to the Lord and, and to the church, a special love offering just to tell God how thankful we are. And the pastor said, man, that's, that's very humbling. He said, I, I can't imagine the pain and the suffering. Even in the midst of this, you guys are giving God thanks. He said, I, I would love to be able to share this testimony with the, with the rest of the congregation. Could I do that? And they said, Pastor, if you feel like that's what you need to do, yes, you can do that. Um, after the service, after sharing what had taken place and the loss of this family on the way home, there was another young couple. And uh, that father leaned over to his wife and he said, you know what? He said, we need to give a love offering as well. And she said, but honey, she said, our son didn't die in the in the war. Matter of fact, he's very healthy and he's, he's alive. And he said, I understand that's exactly why we need to give an offering to the Lord. We need to be thankful. God's will is that we be thankful in every circumstance, that our gratefulness isn't based upon the circumstance, whether good or bad, the, the high or the low, but God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good, regardless if we understand it or not. When we place our eyes upon Jesus and everything that he has done, how can we not be grateful? Even when the waves are crashing in and the storm is overhead. Even when we don't understand and we can't comprehend the hand of God, we can be assured that God is shaping our lives. We can't always control what happens. 
but we're free to choose the attitude. Either one of ungratefulness or an attitude of gratitude. You can be resentful and you can be bitter and you can be angry and you can question God. You can shake your fist at God or you can choose to be grateful. James said this in, in essence in, in James. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when, not if, for you know that when your faith is tested, and we know that faith isn't faith until it's tested, when you know that your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. Persevere and hold on, even in those moments when God doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, how do you access the courage to hold on in those times when, when it seems like there is no hope? Back in 1621, the story of the Puritans coming, seeking to land in Virginia, but landing hundreds of miles north at Cape Cod in that Massachusetts cold there at Plymouth. It wasn't long before that cold weather got the best of them. And of the 102 that sailed, only 50 now survived. There were more crosses in the cemetery than there were people alive. Around April, the weather began to subside and things began to, to lighten up just a little bit. Some decided, I think what we need to do is we need to go back to the old country. Another group said, no, we need to stay here. We made the commitment. Let's stay. So they began to plant. It wasn't long after that that they began to harvest, and at the year anniversary of when they landed, there was a discussion about what to do. Some said, let's call it a day of mourning. Maybe you know the story. They said, no, it's not a day of mourning. Why don't we have a day of thanksgiving? Why don't we take all the things that, that God has done, and why don't we give thanks to God for all these resources? Why don't we pool them together, and why don't we celebrate? And that's exactly what they did. They gathered all that they could harvest and they focused on what they had going for them, not all the things that they had going against them. Some historians say it was a turning point in the founding of America. When the pilgrims decided to give thanks to God for all the things that he had provided instead of focusing on the troubles that they had experienced. In the book of Acts, we see the story of Paul and Silas when they were thrown in jail. And here it is, midnight, being thrown in jail. Why were they thrown in jail? Because they had stole something? Because they had done something illegal? No, they were thrown in jail for what? Preaching the gospel. That's why they were thrown in jail. And the guys knew, man, there were others before them that had been persecuted. There were others before them that had been put in jail. There were others before them that had lost their lives, but it didn't keep them from talking about Jesus. And here it was near midnight. I mean, they could have been, oh, woe is me. They could have been whining. And they could have been complaining. And they could have been bellyaching. But instead, they could have been throwing in the towel. But instead of doing that, it tells us that what they were doing, they did the unnatural instead of the natural. That instead of complaining and whining, man, they begin to sing praises to God. And in the midst of that, God rescued them and set them free. A little thought. It's a whole lot easier to express gratitude and thankfulness when we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. Third thought, the final thought. A thankful person lives in such a way that their daily lives say thank 
you God. I mean, when people see you out in the public, I mean, how, how, how do you portray yourself? Do they, oh man, that's a guy. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, look at how they carry themselves. They're going through all these different things, and yet they say, they demonstrate God's love by the way that they act. They're a, they're a thankful person. They're thankful. Their lives demonstrate a, an attitude of thankfulness. Look at a thankful person sees, and they live as a response to God and his blessings. This is what Paul had to say. He wrote, the Apostle Paul, he said, either way, Christ's love controls us. You might want to underline that. You might say compel. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we, all, we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. That word controls that word maybe compels you have in your scriptures. It means to literally leave me no choice. That's what it means. It leaves me no point, no choice. And so what Paul is saying here, listen, I have no choice but to respond to the love of Christ except to live for him. I have no, no, nothing else that I can do except to respond to Christ, to his offering of his life by giving him my life as an offering. That every day that our lives say thank you, Thank you, Christ, for all that you've done. Let's go back to the story just for a second about how many lepers? There was, there was 10 lepers. There was 10 lepers. What in the world happened to the other nine? Jesus noticed that the nine didn't show back up. And he said in verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Where did they go? Why didn't they show back up? Here's something to think about. Unexpressed gratitude translates as ingratitude. Now, let's not, let's be serious. Let's just be serious for a second. Do you think that those nine people were healed, were not thankful? I, I believe they had to be thankful. I mean, I can't imagine. Here they are. They, they begin to, to make their way back out into society. Others begin to see them that had, that had not seen them in a while because they knew that they had leprosy and been separated. And all of a sudden, they show back up. Others that, that, be, that had seen them with leprosy now begins to notice the changes, the things that had taken place. I can imagine the family members begin to gather around them as they come back home, probably thinking they would never, ever see them again. They were healed. But in the story, we find that they never returned to the source to give thanks. May we never miss the fact that we need to be thankful and to show gratitude to the one who has done so much for us. We need to have that attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. When you sit down to eat, to be reminded to pray, to give God thanks. That when you put that check in the bank to pay those bills, to remember who is our provider. That when you're meeting with that doctor and and, and you get that report to remind it, good or bad, who's in control that he is and to give thanks. We need to give thanks in all circumstances. We need to constantly return to the source and tell our Heavenly Father how grateful we are for him. And even today, we need to pause and we need to, to give thanks. We were in Haiti last year. Uh, spring break, our family with some other families had a chance to go and 
and uh, do some work there in Haiti. And at one of the children's homes, we had a, an opportunity to feed some of the children. You have to understand meals were not, okay, we're going to have breakfast, lunch, and supper. It wasn't that way, Bill. But the kids may get one meal every so often. We had the privilege of feeding them one day. So we had these big tubs of rice that the, the ladies there had cooked, and we had to serve them. And I don't know how many kids, let's just say 100 kids. And they had plates, so we had some people that were getting plates ready, cleaning them off. There was no disinfecting lotions. There was nobody washing things with hot water. They would just take something and wipe it off. And here we are, we had this big thing of rice, and they're dumping out a rice. And my job was passing out chicken feet. Chicken feet. Of all the things in the world, chicken feet. That was my job. You know, I didn't hear the first person complained about whether or not it was too hot, too cold, it wasn't big enough. Never heard any joke about chicken legs. But that was my job, passing out chicken feet. You know what the kids would say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For a chicken foot and a little bit of rice. See, some of us have a hard time. You go, man, I'd never eat anything like that. You've never been hungry. I was in a conversation, took Caleb by to meet uh, some of the kids to meet one of the ladies that took care of us when we were young, Miss Cora. She's 98 years old, sharp as a tact. And they got talking about some of the things we used to eat growing up. We won't talk about that today because there's lunch afterwards. My kids are looking at me, you got to be kidding. But you know what? When you're hungry, you eat what's available, what's been provided. Some of us maybe need to go to a third country, third world country, and to see and experience what it's like to live without because some of us have gained that attitude of entitlement. You owe me or I deserve. No, <laughs> no. Some of us, it would help us be a lot more thankful and grateful for the, all the things that God has provided for us. But see, you don't have to go to Haiti and you don't have to go to, to, to uh, Nicaragua. You don't have to go to India to find people that are hungry. We have people here in this area. Matter of fact, some of you may need to sign up and go to Beyond the Wall, see Hannah or see Linda and say, hey, listen, I'd like to serve at Christmas time when we serve our hungry here in the community. I'd like to serve. My, I want my family to be a part of that because it helps you be reminded of how grateful and how blessed we are as people. Thankful people, grateful people, or generous people. Some of the most generous people that I ever meet, we meet over at Beyond the Walls. They'll take what little bit they have, and they'll share it. We saw the same thing when we were in Haiti. Some of the kids, they would take that little bit they have, and they would, they would scrape it off on their plate to give it to another person. Got an exercise for you as we finish up our time. As we talk about thankfulness, there's probably some people that you need to say thank you to. Adults, some people that um, even maybe this morning before we close out our time that you just need to get up and go to them and say thank you. There's a card that we've given you. Kids in your bag, there was a little, there was a little card, a thank you card. And maybe kids, there's something that you can say thank you to your parents about. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's not a parent, maybe it's a grandparent, maybe it's somebody else. But there's a thank you card that's in there to help you 
help you to maybe to, to, to practice the attitude of gratitude, to say thank you to somebody. Adults, there's a card that's in the back of your, your pew. Brian calls it the plastic thing. There's some, there's some three-by-five cards. There's some pencils. Maybe you, maybe you need to write a little note to say, I just want to tell you thank you. Maybe you got your cell phone. Maybe you need to take that cell phone out and, and you need to text. You know, it's okay to text in, in church, especially when the pastor's boring. <laughs> Sit out and text a little note to say, I'm sitting here in church and I'm reminded this morning to tell you how thankful I am for you, for you being such a blessing to me. Some of you maybe need to write an own personal letter to the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, for all the blessings you've given to me and to my family. And so over the next couple of minutes, we're going to practice this horizontally here on earth, man to man, woman to woman, person to person. We're going to practice being thankful. So I want to give you just a couple of minutes while there's some music that plays to write, write somebody a card, to text somebody something, kids for you to be able to write a note that you can give to your parents about being thankful Maybe you're even here, and I was very serious. Maybe there's somebody here today. You just need to get up, and you need to go to them and say, listen, I just want you to know how thankful I am for you, how much you mean to me. So over the next couple of minutes, maybe two or three, I want to give you that opportunity, that freedom to be able to move, to be able to practice an attitude of gratitude. And after that, we're going to celebrate and practice gratitude from a perspective of vertically for what Christ has done.